Welcome to another installment of Richard Bay Talk. Week six of Russia's horrific attack on Ukraine. Week two of Will Smith's scandalous attack on Chris Rock. Can you believe we're still talking about this? Especially in a in a in a week when there was so much news going on that that got somewhat less attention. Ginny Thomas and her emails and uh, the seven-hour gap in uh, Trump's phone calls on January 6th, the, the gay bill in Florida, the attack on Disneyland, uh, uh, lifting uh, restrictions on asylum at the border, which may presage uh, an influx of immigrants. Uh, there was so much going on, but we're still talking about Will Smith. Now, the conversation has turned is, uh, to what's going to happen to Will Smith in the future and uh, what's going to happen to his career. And I have to say, when, um, when the president, Joe Biden, said, for God's sake, Will Smith cannot remain in power. And then immediately Netflix postponed Will Smith's new slavery, uh, slavery movie. That, you know, that was a bit much, I think. Is that why um, I didn't know that that happened? <laughs> what uh, you didn't know that happened? No. Oh yeah, yeah. They just postponed it. They didn't cancel it. They they postponed it, but they didn't cancel it. Till the heat's off. Yeah, yeah. Well, is it off? I don't. Is it off Will Smith now? Because you know, will ever be off Will Smith. Will Smith pulled one of those. You can't fire me. I quit. Uh, he quit the academy before they could. Uh, you know, extricate him from the organization. And uh, even Saturday Night Live, they were, enough, it's enough, it's enough. Here is, what is this? I never heard of this comedian, Jared Carmichael. But even he started the show saying, don't we have enough of this? Here it is. Not gonna talk about it. <laughs> I wanna be clear up top. I've talked about it enough kept talking about it, kept thinking about it. I don't want to talk about it. And you can't make me talk about it. But, 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 but I got a question. Do you want to talk about it? Like, aren't you sick of talking about it? Isn't it kind of crazy? We just, it, feel, it feels like we've been talking about it for so long. I have, this is going to really blow your minds. Can you believe it's been six days? <laughs> Six days. This happened a week ago. Doesn't it feel like it happened years ago? Like, doesn't it feel like it happened when we were all in high school? All right. So, yes, I realize that it's kind of hypocritical of me to start talking about it after I'm saying enough of talking about it. But I also want to remind you that at the end of this particular podcast, I have a clip of one of my shows where Joan Rivers ignited a scandalous feud between me and one of the biggest talk show hosts in the business. And there were repercussions. So you, you won't want to miss this. It's Joan Rivers and Dick Bay and the scandal that rocked daytime television. So stay tuned for that. All right. Now, beyond the horrific videos that we're seeing now of what's going on in Ukraine and the call for war crimes investigations, I mean, it's really disgusting. And um, 
I saw a general last night, a retired general on TV saying, Russia should be isolated from world civilization. I mean, this is something he says, you know, after, after we won the war with Japan and after we won the war with Germany, uh, you know, we had to reconstruct those societies. We didn't, uh, we didn't accept what was going on there. And the same thing should happen <clears throat> with Russia in terms of its isolation from the world. Um, and I, I don't know how much, you know, further we can go on this, uh, but I have to tell you, if you've seen those videos and regular citizens with their arms tied behind their back, shot in the head and, and the trenches filled with dead bodies. It, and Zelensky himself calling it um, genocide. I mean, it, it certainly is reminiscent of what happened, not only under Hitler, but under Stalin to some degree. And uh, you can't help but be shocked and want some form of retaliation. Now, let's talk about retaliation on the Supreme Court. Ginny Thomas's emails came out this week, and if you've seen them, it's pretty obvious that Ginny Thomas makes Marjorie Taylor Greene look as rational as Spock on Star Trek. They're crazy. <laughs> They're just crazy. She said that Joe Biden and the Democrats were on a barge outside of Guantanamo, awaiting incarceration. She pleaded with the president's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, you've got to do something. Stay firm. We've got to overturn this election. Now, there was a conspiracy. It's pretty damn clear. There was a conspiracy to overturn this election. And it, it, it extended into Congress, where uh, certain senators and representatives wouldn't certify uh, the electoral vote. And they wanted, they say now, oh, we just wanted a delay. They wanted a delay so it could go to the Supreme Court where Ginny Thomas's husband would be one of the people making the decision on who would be the next president. So uh, Clarence Thomas has called Ginny his best friend. In one of her emails, she says, I've discussed this with my best friend. Clarence Thomas actually said this. It's part of being a justice. It's, first of all, it's, um, it'd be impossible without you. I'm, I have to be honest. I mean, it would be, um, it's sort of like, how do you run with one leg? You can't. I mean, the, um, it makes it whole when it I would, have my wife. Oh, yeah. It would be impossible for him to be a Supreme Court justice without his wife. But it's separate. Ginny Thomas, you know, she has freedom of speech. Listen, it's more than this. And the Democrats are, except for AOC, AOC has called for his resignation from the court or impeachment. And that's what Democrats should be calling for. Instead, they're saying, oh, he must recuse himself from any cases that involve January 6th. No. Democrats don't, really don't understand uh, salesmanship. You start with the highest price, then you work your way down. 
Maybe you work your way down to recusal. But right now, the clamor should be for resignation or impeachment, and there should be hearings. And it's not about recusal on future cases because he's already decided two cases that could have been influenced by his wife's um, loony theories and her actions. Remember, these this is not just... Uh, you know, about somebody having crazy ideas. This is about somebody using her position as the wife of a Supreme Court justice to call the White House chief of staff and demand that he take certain actions that would overturn democracy. That's what this is about. And it's not about recusal in the future. It's about the fact that Clarence Thomas, when the issue came before the Supreme Court as to whether Donald Trump should release his records to the January 6th committee. The vote was nine to one. Eight justices said they must release those records. One justice said, no, he shouldn't. And guess who that one justice was? A man whose wife's emails were probably in that tranche of documents a man who potentially was protecting his wife. And there was another case. I'm trying to remember what it was now. I can't remember. But another case where he was in the minority deciding things. Uh, oh, I know what it was. February. This was uh, 2021. And it had to do with all the crazy Trump cases about overturning the election and saying it was uh, it was a, a illegal. And it was a, a steal. And that went to the Supreme Court. And Clarence, the Supreme Court decided, uh we're not going to touch this case. This isn't going to be, um, you know, George Bush, Al Gore, too. And Clarence Thomas was a justice who said, I think he might have been the only justice who said, I don't understand why we aren't taking these Trump cases. It's baffling to me. So he's already decided on two cases that could have been influenced by his wife or probably were influenced. No, they definitely were interested, uh, influenced by his wife's uh, Looney Tunes assertions. Don't tell me they slept in separate beds like uh, Dick, ha uh, Dick Van Dyke and uh, Mary Tyler Moore or that they built the Berlin Wall between their, their beds. This is a guy who said he couldn't do his job without his wife. This is a guy who called her his best friend. And then Ginny Thomas said, I've discussed this with my best friend. And there's one more thing that was revealed in these emails that we really don't know much about. She mentioned that her husband on the Supreme Court had had discussions with Ron DeSantis with Ron DeSantis, hmm. who is probably going to be the, I, I don't think Trump's going to run. DeSantis will either be Trump's vice president, if that does happen, and I'm wrong, or DeSantis will be, you know, the, the front runner for the nomination. So I'd like to know what those discussions were about. This is not a dead issue. And just remember, there are members of Congress right now Conservative Republicans, Jim Jordan, I think Joni Ernst at one time, they're calling for the impeachment of Joe Biden. There's on more on 
the Hunter Biden laptop. Oh, still. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and Jim Jordan, just remember, it's it it looks like it's a sure thing that Republicans will control the House. Jim Jordan will be the chairman of the Judiciary Committee that holds impeachment hearings. So this Hunter Biden thing, now Hunter Biden is Joe Biden's son. And if he has if he is guilty of criminal acts, I want him punished. But there is no evidence that Joe Biden was involved in this. There is plenty of evidence that, um, you know, Virginia Thomas tried to influence the election and had an influence on her husband. So, you know, uh, you know, that... Uh, the difference between these two things is incredible. Hunter, you know, Hunter Biden was a crackhead. He's irresponsible. I wouldn't, he might've been a sleazebag. He probably was trying to make money. But just remember, most of these deals he made, they began in 2016 when his father was leaving the White House and 2017 and 2018 when his father wasn't even in the White House. So if he wanted to use his father's influence as vice president, he was a little late to the game. But as I said, if he's guilty, and guess what? Guess who the prosecutor is looking into the Hunter Biden case? It's a prosecutor that was appointed by Donald Trump. Now, <laughs> Joe Biden didn't go in and say, oh, well, this is, uh, we got to get rid of this prosecutor as, as, as Trump did with, uh, you know, with, with, with James Comey. See, on our side, we want to do things the right way. They don't give a shit. Power is the only goal for most Republicans. Not all. You know, there are some, but they are the exceptions to the rule. So we have, um, what's his name? Durham? No, yeah, yeah Durham, appointed by, uh, by Bill Barr. Uh, in the Trump uh, administration, we have this prosecutor who's investigating Hunter Biden appointed by Trump. And if you look through a lot of these cases right now that have to do with redistricting, whenever I see <clears throat> actually any case by a federal district judge, I immediately go and look up their past and see who appointed them. And in many, in most cases, it's not all, there are exceptions, I will admit, those, those that decide in the favor of Democrats are usually Obama appointees or uh, Clinton appointees. And those that decide for the Republicans are usually, not always, Trump appointees or um, George W. Bush appointees. All right, so let's get on uh, to uh, another topic. Uh, let me just tell you something. I am not entirely woke. If somebody, if a if if somebody who was born a man wants to be a woman and wants to be referred to as her or she has undergone operations, uh, you know, to satisfy their identification, or even if they haven't, I'm fine calling them her, she. That's okay, or the opposite when it comes to. Uh, Women, even Ellen Page, 
you know, who, uh, if, if, if she wants to be a, identified as a man, that's fine with me. I've always thought that I'm a, I'm a gay man trapped in a straight man's body. <laughs> I'm heterosexual. <laughs> I love women, but I love show tunes. I like fashion. I never played sports. I've never seen a football game from beginning to end. Um, I cry at tear jerkers. Now I know these are all stereotypical gay things. Yeah, really, gay you're right. You're you're <laughs> a gay man, no question. <laughs> <laughs> but you name a show, and I can sing you the show tunes. In fact, I play them on the piano. So I'm fine with all of that. But I'll tell you this: never in my life am I going to call. Well, there is one exception. I will never call somebody they or them unless I'm talking to Sybil, the character that Sally Field played in the, in the movie where she had multiple personalities. If you have multiple personality disorder, I will call you they and them. But I'm never going to go that far. Let me ask you this. Do you, do, you, do you not think it might be easier now for, for everybody just to be called they or them? <laughs> Listen, I mean, Latinx and it, it's, just, oh, it's just too much. Man. Well, Latinx. Now I have to figure out who's. Who, I'm not going to use that either. But you know, I mean, it was. Gee, it, how many years did it take us to get to Ms. <laughs> instead of Miss or Mrs. when we talked about people? Now, when it comes to trans uh, uh, transsexuals, I mean, you know, the way I was brought up. You know, my father, when I was little, told me about Christine Jorgensen, who was the first the transsexual. And he was amazed at how good looking she was and amazed that science could do that sort of thing. But he did th think it was kind of freakish. And that was my first exposure. Now, when I was in uh, elementary school, you know, there was, there was no talk of uh, sex or anything like that. I mean, at one point... Miss Abramowitz, the fifth grade teacher, said mammals are warm-blooded. They have hair on their bodies, and um, and they feed milk to their young from their bodies. And I raised my hand, and I said, well, we're warm-blooded. We have hair on our bodies. We're mammals, but we don't feed milk to our young from our bodies. And the teacher said, go talk to your mother. I mean, I didn't, my mother wouldn't tell me until much later that I was breastfed. Uh, then in sixth grade, we had an art class and the teacher was talking about Picasso and he had a blue period and a red period. And the class just burst out in laughter. And I leaned over to the girl next to me and I said, what, what's so funny about that? She said, it happens every 28 days. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean, a month? Why? She goes, no, go ask your mother. And I asked my mother, what happens every 28 days? And my mother said, a month, Richard. <laughs> now, was I better off for not knowing the facts of life? I don't necessarily think so. There was another instance in sixth grade where I read the book. We had individualized reading. So you could pick your own book and you could, you know, read it and then stand up and report to the class. And if you found new words, you would underline them in the book and you would tell the class about the new words you learned. So when I read um, 1984, there was a word intercourse and it had to do with sex. So I underlined that word 
and I stood in front of the class and I gave the definition of sexual intercourse, uh, which might get me arrested in Florida right now because that's where I'm leading with all this. There is a vague and probably unconstitutional law that um, that uh, the Florida State Legislature and Ron DeSantis, you know, rammed through. It's completely ridiculous because it addresses something that doesn't happen in Florida at all anyway. But it is a way of appealing to far-right conservatives and religious conservatives. And Ron DeSantis has an election coming up and... Um, well, as I said earlier, we'll probably be running for president. Let me look at my time. Oh, heck, I'm never going to even, you know what? I'm never even going to get to my story, am I? Keep going. No, I'm not. Uh, Keep going. We all right. You started. All right. So what's happening now is Disney, which is, you know, a large part of the tourism of Florida with Disneyland and Orlando, Disney had supported some of the congressmen that passed through this this new bill. And the new bill here, I'll read it. They changed it. And originally it said uh, classroom discussion or instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not incur in, occur in kindergarten through grade three or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards. Now, I looked it up. There are no state standards on this. Uh, the only state standard is to teach abstinence. Now, some schools go further than that, but the state standard is abstinence only. Now, it, we're not talking about sex education. We're not talking about a Miss uh, Abramowitz in fifth grade class with me ripping open her shirt, uh, uh, pulling down her bra and say, here, see, this is where the milk comes from. <laughs> no, that's not what we're talking about. It's not sex. It's gender identity or sexual orientation. So if it's impossible to instruct kids on this, can can the teacher still say boys and girls line up for class, or does she have to say children? Boys and girls are gender identity. The, if she says mom and dad, that's a gender identity. Uh, you know, it's it just doesn't apply if there are two gay parents who come into the classroom uh, and and kids say, which one's the mommy and which one's the daddy, the teacher's going to have to be shut. I mean, this law is so freaking ridiculous. And it wasn't like San Francisco where they had uh, transvestites doing reading groups for kids in elementary school. This wasn't happening in Florida. It's a bullshit law. But Disney had supported some of the legislatures who voted for it. So there was... Uh, Amongst their employees, a demonstration that said, you know, Disney has always been gay friendly, pretty much. And so Disney came out, the chairman of Disney, and opposed this legislation. So what happens now? If you turn on Fox News, they're like, every second they're bashing Disney, Walt Disney, you know, this is destroying Walt Disney's dream. They had parents on who are now boycotting Disney World. I mean, there's this big attack on Disney. So this reminded me that at one point, I was a part of an attack on Disneyland, 
the one that's in California, in Anaheim. In 1970, when I was a student at the University of California in Santa Barbara, these posters started to appear all over the state, from San Francisco all the way down. Not, not, that's not the poster. The poster is Mickey Mouse. Can we see the Mickey Mouse poster, please? All right. There we go. There's Mickey Mouse with a rifle in one hand, and it's the Disneyland Yippie Invasion, and it was August of 1970. So I was in summer session at UCSB. I just finished it. I said, oh, this would be cool. And I had a radio, and I had uh, four hits of chocolate mescaline, and I hid them inside the radio. And I hitchhiked. In those days, it was so easy to hitchhike in California. It was, it was our version of Uber, because if you were a long hair, another long hair would stop and pick you up, a fellow traveler, you know, part of the counterculture. And they drove me down to Disney. Now, at this time, Disney... Excuse well, me a second. Just for the people who, who, who are listening and didn't see the, pic, the poster, can you explain what's on the poster? Oh, yes. Okay. It's Mickey Mouse. I just said it. Mickey Mouse holding a rifle in one hand, and it says Disneyland Yippie Invasion, August something, 1970. Right. That's what's on okay. the poster, if you're listening. Um, so anyway, the, Disney had a rule that if you had long hair, they wouldn't let you inside. In fact, Roger McGuinn of the Birds famously was denied entrance to Disneyland because he had a beetle cut. It wasn't even, you know... It wasn't like ZZ Top where he had hair down his back uh, and they wouldn't let you in. So on this day, I show up at Disneyland and there's a crowd of about 300 people standing outside the entrance because they wanted to get in for free. And that wasn't going to happen. So I paid my money. They did let me. They didn't stop me. I did have hair over my shoulders, not over my shoulders. I had hair over my collar. Uh, I probably had long sideburns down. Actually, I should have put the picture up of what I looked like then. Um, maybe we'll put it in post. All right. So I got into Disneyland and there were hundreds of long hairs walking around, hippies, kids, college kids, smoking pot only in their group. They stayed isolated uh, because they didn't want to get arrested and uh, I saw them on Mr. Toad, you know, they'd be high going on Mr. Toad's whirly gig. And, and then we all got on a raft and we went out to Tom Sawyer's Island. And there's a fort on top of Tom Sawyer's Island. And I went up to the top of the fort and I looked down and there was a group of Disney security had tried to arrest one of the protesters um for smoking pot and there was a larger group of people around disney security going let him go let him go let him go now you can't get off that island unless you take a raft and, and they were blocking um the security officers um gangway to the to the raft so they eventually let this guy off and everybody was cheering and i said oh man this is incredible it's time to take some chocolate mesk. So I opened up the radio and I and I took one hit of chocolate mesk and I was up there and all of a sudden, ah, oh, the world is a different place. Everything is bright and beautiful. And I love my brothers and sisters who are there. And, 
and I'm walking down Main Street to where they have, you know, Main Street and Disneyland, and they have a gazebo. And on the gazebo is a Dixieland jazz band, and they're playing Dixieland. And I'm really coming on to the mescaline. And Vietnam vets in their war fatigues had put cannabis bunting, you know, a, a, like a flag over the American flag bunting around the gazebo. And they're chanting, Ho, Ho, Ho Chi Minh, NLF is going to win. So some, you know, more conservative, to tell you the truth, I, I, I was always um, not a part of that sort of, I don't know, understand why people would, would, would show their support. I was against the war, but I, I, I didn't understand why people would show their support for an enemy that was killing Americans, no matter where they are. Uh, but the American flag bunting, these fathers went up and pulled down the Amer American flag bunting and they put their arms around each other. And this Dixieland band started to play America, America, God shed his grace on thee. At the same time, these Vietnam vets are going, ho, ho, Ho Chi Minh, NLF is going to win. And I'm going, oh, this is American microcosm. It's a metaphor for the division in this country because the division at that time, I, I don't know if it's worse than the division we have now, but it was certainly comparable. And then I looked over and over these old turn of the century buildings that they have on Main Street, USA, I see ropes coming down and I see spacemen. And I go, why are there, in my mind, I'm going, why are there spacemen, spacemen on Main Street? They should be in Tomorrowland. And then when they hit the ground, I realized these are Orange County sheriffs with visors, uh, you know, under their helmets, with bully clubs, and they come through and start swinging at everybody. So it was time for Dick Bay, even tripping, I had enough sense. I got to get out of here. So I went for the uh, turnstiles and jumped over with enough time to turn around and see them grab another guy who, I, I still remember it. He was like a billy goat. He had one of those billy goat beards. They had him by the seat of his pants and by his hair, and they were jamming him through the turnstile. And each time they did, his face would hit the turnstile. Blood would pour out of his mouth. And while I was tripping, I just remember, oh, I can see the oxygen in his blood. Blood is life. And when he finally got to the other side, I went up, I said, hey, man, are you okay? And he said, I think they broke my jaw. I have to get to the free clinic. And I said, do you have a ride up north? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I came here with friends. We have a car. So I left with him. We went to the free clinic and then I went home. But that's my story about the invasion of Disneyland that I participated in. Okay, there it is. There are the cops. Uh, do they have their, they don't have their, see, I don't know if any of them have the visors on. They had the visors down, but that was a day. It's little known. You won't see that on Walt Disney World, Wonderful World of Color. And I don't think they're going to be making a movie with a cartoon character, but I did look through the pictures to see if, you know, they're online. There are some pictures of that day 
And yeah, look at that. Oh, they closed down Disneyland. That's the other thing I should say. Right after all this happened, they closed down Disneyland and man, people were pissed off. Um, so anyway, I was there and I was there as well when Joan Rivers tried to ignite a feud between Regis Philbin, one of the biggest morning talk show hosts, and I had a morning talk show that was national, but it came out of Sea Caucus. Uh, I was on right after Regis at 10 a.m. at that time, and Regis was at 9 a.m. with Regis and Kathy Lee. So Joan Rivers was on the show. The whole show, she's hilarious. But at one point, I, I should explain this part too. I was at some kind of an event where they had a big buffet, and I had a friend who said, oh, Richard, would you like to meet Regis? Um, you know, I know him, and I could introduce you. And I said, you know, I think he's, I, I'm in awe of his talent. I, I think he's quick-witted. I think, you know, he could talk about anything. Uh, and he's the engine for that show. It's not Kathy Lee. So he said, oh, well, he's over here. Come on, I'll introduce you. So he took me over to the buffet table, and Regis is deciding, ah, should I get salami? Should I get pastrami? Should I get bologna? And he's leaning over the table, and my friend goes, Regis, this is Richard Bay. He has the morning show. And Regis didn't even look up from the table. He just waved at me and said, okay, hi, bye. And it was... It was hurtful, you know, but not, uh, but I understand, you know, he has a lot of people that come up to him. Anyway, this is the part of the story that relates to this interview when Joan Rivers tried to create a feud. I might have gone over to the, uh, the ABC studios on 68th Street and slapped Regis. Anyway, here's the interview. I was doing the Carson show, and I did it for 22 years. The, the lights would go up, and you were best friends on the show, telling him everything. The <laughs> lights would go down, and for 22 years, when the lights went down, I would say to him, the band sounds great. And he would say to me, yes, it does. And then you'd... <laughs> and it's true, sometimes you just talk on camera, and you have nothing to say in real life to these people. Well, it's also, do you think off-camera, that some, sometimes we're, on, we're paid to be gregarious, and we're paid fun. to have outgoing personalities and fun, yeah. but in real life, so many performers are basically shy and somewhat introverted, yeah. and, and we carry around our, our own secret world inside of ourselves. I once sat at a dinner table, and there was Woody Allen, Dick Cavus, me, Lily Tomlin, and I, I think it was Richard Pryor, and my husband said, this is the gloomiest bunch I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> because you, you, a lot of times you, you, you do it when you're performing, you know. I say everything I think on camera, you know. And then you go off camera, you don't say anything. It's, but, but, you know, but you know what is wonderful about you, too? When I've seen you out in public and at fundraisers and charity events, when people come up to you and say hi, you are very gracious and very, very giving to them. Oh, yeah. Really, because... And I must say, there are some people who you see on television who you think name are so names. wonderful and giving. Name names. I want a name. I'll give you a name. What the heck? I'll give you a name. Give us a name. Now, this guy I really respect, and I really think that he's very funny and he's quick. Some, Regis Philbin, right? So somebody said to me, I want to introduce you to Regis. And I said, oh, that's all right. I don't want to bother him. And I was going to come up and say... Regis, I, I think you're, you've got one of the quickest, funniest minds. And somebody said, Regis, this is Richard Bay from People Are Talking. And he went, mm, yes, nice to see you. And I realized that there's a lot of tension in this business. Could it be a deodorant? <laughs> Could it be you? Could it be? Could it be? 
it be you hadn't changed that suit for a month and a half? Could it be you had high regions? Oh, no. <laughs> but it's also true. We all have our bad days, and it could have been a bad day yeah, for him. But, but I was... But see, when you go out in public, I'm sorry, the public has paid for everything. I, I'm not being good. The public paid for this. The public paid for this. The public paid for my hair. The public everything. When you go out in public, you have an obligation to be nice to these people. Very few people come up and go, I don't like it. And it's easier. It's easier to sign an autograph and explain why you don't want to. Yeah. It takes longer to say, oh, I don't do this, and this is stupid, I don't want to do it. Just sign your stupid ass name and get on with it. You know? Small thing for us to do, and it's but the public can be rude too. I know, like you'll be signing autographs, you'll see a bigger star, and they'll whip that paper right away. I, I cannot tell you how often I'll have Ivers on my hand when I get home at night. Can I have your autograph, Joan? Certainly, just there's Ivers. Oh, but come on, you got Ivers on your hand. But see, even there's a certain degree of insecurity, and you're even saying this. You're as big a star as any of them. Oh, sure. Who is a bigger star than oh, you? Oh, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. We're out, too. Who? Let's go. I am serious, this, Joe. This is going to break your heart. What? This is going to break your heart. Yeah. Regis Philbin. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I admire oh. and respect Regis very much. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, don't get off the hook. Say no. you hate him. <laughs> it's good for no, you. You have a feud going. Look right in the camera and say, Regis, I hate your guts. No, but go I on. don't. If I oh, did, I would does. say it, but he I don't. He does. He does. <laughs> say it, and then he'll call you on. You can... Exactly. <laughs> but I don't. I, I, I think he's very Did good. you want to get out of New Jersey? <laughs> say it. <laughs> Do you want to work them. over in the RCA building? Excuse me, the GE building. The GE building. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit. No, I, I mean, they <laughs> You know, we don't have a delay on the show. Why? The fuss. The fuss. What are we going to rename the building? Who cares? <laughs> All right, you're, you're um. You're trying um, to provoke some sort of feud between me and Regis Philbin, no, right? I think it would be good for you at this stage of your career. You're adorable, <laughs> you're terrific, and you can use the press. So pick somebody, don't take this person a little bit bigger than you in the business. <laughs> if you take somebody smaller than you, that's stupid. Go for a biggie like Regis and say, I challenge you, and you'll get into the press, and they'll all watch you, <laughs> and you'll be very rich, absolutely. <laughs> Did you ever have a desire to be like what they would call a so-called serious actress? We oh, always... yes. Yes? Of course. That's why I did Broadway Bound. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Sure. Everybody. And didn't you start out wanting to be an actor? I started out wanting to be an yeah. actor. I still consider myself an actress. That you, you go... Our business, whatever door opens, go through it. Don't be a fool, you know. I, I went to Yale Drama School. I was so, an actor originally. So there's your answer. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was an actress. Somebody and left then, the door open here at Channel 9, and I walked in, and I, <laughs> next thing I knew, I was on the set. But if you went to Yale, that means you're a good actor, because they take very few. Very few people. No, but it's serious. It's true. And, we uh, just didn't go to Yale. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Yes. Damn right he did. <laughs> and neither did Kathy. <laughs> oh my God, she was funny. Anyway, uh, and she also said shit on the air. We didn't have a second, seven-second delay, and it went out live. Unpredictable, very funny, and the entire interview is hilarious from start to finish on her part. But there's a little bit more to this story. 
So Regis was a part owner of a restaurant where I used to eat almost every night. It was called Columbus. It was on 68th and Columbus Avenue in New York City. So one night I walk in and there's Regis Philbin. And he's standing with his hands on his hips and he's shaking his head. And his wife, Joy, is sitting at the table next to him, shooting daggers at me with her eyes. And Regis says, Richard, I don't know what I said to you. I don't even remember meeting you. He goes, I didn't mean anything. I don't know where, what happened. And I said, I, I just apologized. Joan Rivers made me say it. it. It's not a big deal. I'm sorry. But I have to tell you, as soon as that show was over, uh, what is it, live with Regis and Kathy Lee, the producers were calling us going, what did Regis do? Uh, people are calling uh, the station now saying Regis should apologize. What did he do to Richard? So it, it became something a little bigger. But I have to also amend, uh, you know, what happened in the future because when I got fired from uh, Channel 9, I ran into Regis and Joy again in that same restaurant. And they said, oh, come to our table. And they were telling me how talented I was and that I shouldn't get discouraged and that things changed, that Regis had been out of work for over a year. And Joy said, oh, he played video games the whole time. He goes, she goes, get some video games and take your mind off of it. Um, but they were nothing but generous and friendly and supportive as I ran into them over the years. And I did in several, I, you know, I wasn't good friends with them, but I'd run into them in the movie theater or at an event. And they were both very kind and uh, really just um, brushed this incident under the rug for the future. So that is the big scandal there. Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us here today. I realize this is the longest podcast we've done so far. Maybe uh, maybe we can edit a little bit out of it. But I think it was pretty good from beginning to end. And I hope that you enjoyed it and that you enjoyed it enough that you will subscribe. So you will get it delivered to you every week or that you will share it with your friends who might be interested. And remember, it's not just a video podcast. You can listen to it. Um, while you're running or exercises, uh, exercising on Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of the podcast uh, services. So once again, we've come to the time where I have to say all my best to you, and you won't have Dick Bay to kick around anymore. Take care. Mm -hmm.